not just for the US of A, but also like globally, that a lot of the globe is just getting old. Japan, speaking of Japan, going back to Warren Buffett, Japan is real old. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on this, but I think 99% of their population is over the age of 70. <laughs> untrue. That's just completely untrue. This podcast contains the arguably witty banter of two friends, Skippy and Dougals, that like to debate about investing. The content is intended to be entertaining and for informational purposes only, not investment advice. You should do your own research and consult a financial professional before using any of the information in this podcast, and especially before investing. What's up? Nothing. What's up with you? Oh, I'm excited. There's like odds and ends going on around here. I'm excited to chat about it with you. My my plan of attack for this week was almost to say, I hate the... The noise around investing and we're we're gonna have a show that's complete silence because all that's out there is garbage. <laughs> but then a few things came through. But let me just do a PSA to start. Most yeah. of everything you are reading, people, is garbage. And the Wall Street Journal controls so much of the narrative around what's going on that if you're deep in the weeds of investing and freaking out about something, make sure you do a information cleanse, get off that Ooh. TikTok investors, and uh Take a step back, because there's a lot of noise out there right now, Dougals. There is. I mean, there kind of always is, but yeah. But when it, during these times where who knows what's going on, people start creating narrative about what's going on. Yeah. Yep. And that narrative, you know, there's nonsense. Well, so that right now, I mean, it's like, which side of the inflation number do you want to be on? Uh, you know, which narrative do you want to tell? <laughs> which side of the oil price number do you want to be on? Which side of the World War Three number do you want to be on? Like, oh, it, there's just so much garbage out there, man. And, wow. And I'm wow. telling you, go hang out on a beach. Turn on, turn off that TikTok. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. So because I need this information cleanse, we're kicking off a new segment on the show. There's uh it's going to be called Deep Thoughts with Skippy. You ready for this? I don't think so. I I see you're not wearing a hat. You might want to grab something because when your mind is blown, you might want to keep your brains inside, all right? <laughs> um go read these two quotes twice. Deep Thoughts with Skippy. First is, he just put a hat on. <laughs> put a hat on. <laughs> First is, if you love what you do, the only exit strategy is death. This is from Sam Zell. <laughs> Okay, please repeat. One more time. Please repeat. If you if you love what you do, the only exit strategy is death. Okay. Just marinate on that. Here comes the next quote. I don't don't want my boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is from uh, Stephen Kotler. Okay. Here we go. If we are hunting for the highest version of ourselves, then we need to turn work into play and not the other way around. Unless we invert this equation. Much of our capacity for intrinsic motivation starts to shut down. We lose touch with our passion and become less than we could be. And that feeling never really goes away. Can pause on that because this is deep thoughts on Skippy. I'm going to read it one more time. Go, go, go. If we are hunting for the highest version of ourselves, then we need to turn work into play and not the other way around. Unless we invert this equation, much of our capacity for intrinsic motivation starts to shut down. We lose touch with our passion and become less than what we could be. And that feeling never really goes away. I really like the spirit of this. And I have a mm-hmm. bone to pick. Uh, you didn't ask me to pick. Bones, oh, but I got, come I, on. But I got a come bone on. to pick. You're just no, supposed no, to be like, oh, deep thoughts are so great. No, 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 no. Let's yeah, it, it, it is great. Topic. It is great. There's, <laughs> there's, just, there's one thing in there 
Stephen mentions, unless we invert this equation, mm -hmm. and never before in the quote was there an equation. Ah, interesting. So I mean, I think I think that's pretty nitpicky, Diggles. I know, but like I wanted because there's the the language is like is interesting because he's saying you got to turn work into play, not the other way around. So don't turn play into work, okay? And then invert this equation. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of variables thrown out there, and I don't like I what. I'm interpreting this in the way that's most favorable for what I would like it to say, which I think is awesome. Yeah. But I think you're, you could so probably human. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting about this quote is he talks about when he talks about intrinsic motivation, potentially shutting down and what he's implying is like, you're born with a, a passion to do certain things. Yeah. And the way I interpret this anyway, it's like you can do a bunch of different things, but doing something that you're not intrinsically motivated to do, maybe since birth, maybe since you're 10 years old, whenever, that might be a losing game in the grand scheme of things. And it's really simple. Right now, I agree with it. 10 years ago, I might have disagreed with it. 10 years from now, I might disagree with it. I don't know. But got me thinking this week. That's it. That's the yeah, segment, Dougal. I also, I okay, that's good. I I like both of them. I also like. Well, actually, the first one made me a little sad, but I uh, <laughs> I like the word play in the second one too because we're mammals and like mammals, biologically speaking, we're meant to play. And so, like, I like that that word I could see was chosen really intentionally because if it's not, if it doesn't feel like play, the equivalent of play, and people oftentimes are saying like play equals fun, play equals nonsense, and that's not what play means. It's like when you you feel like you're in the groove, right? And the thing that you're doing brings you endorphins and joy. I like the use of that word. So thank you. Thank you, Skippy. Well, again, less so in the first one, but thank you. Love it. All right. I know we got a bunch of quick hits today. What are you bringing our way? So first, before we even get into the quick hits, I want to do a quiz with you. Who's it's your good. favorite? I'm embarrassed in like three days. I'm going to start off with an easy one. Who is your favorite resident of Omaha, Nebraska? Oh, there's this guy. Um, I bought a car there one time. Um, <laughs> okay. His name's like Bill. Okay, Pretty never nice mind. Dude. Correct, correct so answer. Funny. Wait, let me just finish the story. Okay. He, uh, he picked me up at the GMC dealership. I didn't buy a GMC, obviously. Why would I do that? But then he told me how much he loves Teslas. And I was like, this is a whole thing. And I kind of, the dealership was 25 minutes away, but I didn't know that. I was kind of like, dude, can we get to the dealership already? But nice guy. So Warren Buffett. Is what you're, is that, is yeah, that yeah, what Warren you're saying? So, okay, Warren Buffett, there you go. So Warren Buffett did an interview with CNBC this week. I don't know if you hit on any of those uh, those segments. No? I have not okay. consumed. I saw a couple headlines. Okay. So what I'm going to do, we're going to have fun with this. I'm going to read. There are one, two, three, four, five categories, topics that I'm going to hit on that Warren Buffett talked about. But the way I'm going to do it, the quiz, the way the quiz is going to work is I'm going to read a quote from Buffett about that topic. And you have to guess the topic. Love it. Okay. okay. You ready? Yeah. Number one, these are big companies, companies that I understand what they did, similar to Berkshire. So we bought about 5% interest in each of the companies. Japanese investing, baby. There you go. Japanese trading houses. Exactly right. Exactly right. And what Buffett did and Buffett and co did is they, I'm going to say double down. They like 50% down. They went from 5% to 7.4%, something like that on the big five Japanese 
trading houses, which are investment houses. That's why I said similar to Berkshire that are over in Japan, which is kind of big because before Berkshire and Buffett weren't touching Japan up until a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And now they got significant buku wuku. He was calling the prices on those ridiculous, which is why he got in. Okay. Number two, ready? If you lend money to someone and it comes to, and they can't pay, and then you say, I never, I never made a bad loan, but sure, some of them turn bad after I made them. Ha ha ha, says Buffett. Then he says, if the rates change, let the people that bet they wouldn't change lose money. The people that lend too much money should take losses. Yeah, this is, uh, I'd call the topic of banks, but do you want me to be more specific? I mean, he's kind of talking banking crisis and duration mismatch. Nope. Threw you off on that one because it does. He probably was talking that, but that's not the question he was asked. He was asked about commercial real estate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see the so, parallels. But you, you can see wow. the parallels. Yeah. I'm embarrassed on that one. I'm embarrassed to miss that one, but there was some yeah. bank flavor there. Yeah. That threw you off there. Yeah. Okay. Next one. You have to act and have to act on insufficient information. And you've got an ultimate responsibility to the American public. It doesn't mean you can stop recessions, but it does mean that you have to keep the system working. He's got to be talking about Jay Powell and the Fed here. He was, and he said he is doing a terrific job. Buffett said that Jay Powell is doing a terrific job, and he could not do that job if he tried. Granted, he's 92 and doesn't care about economics, but yeah, still. First of all, I could do that job. Uh, <laughs> what I couldn't do about that job is do the stupid pest conferences and write the meeting <laughs> notes. And like That's ridiculous. But I could do that job. That job is super easy. I agree with Buffett. Jerome has done a fabulous job for the last six months, but what about the preceding two years when he got us into this mess? So no, he's got a C minus in my book. Oh, okay. Hot, hot take, hot take. Okay, we got two more. Next one. We don't make our decisions as to whether or not to own part of a company for the next 20 years. Uh, we don't have any idea what anyone's going to do in the next day or the next month. All kinds of things are happening in the economic markets all the time. We'll keep buying treasuries every Monday. Um, he's got to be talking about his cash pile here. He's talking, it's tricky, another tricky one. He's talking about inflation. He was asked about how they're going to adjust based on inflation. And he's like, we don't make our oh. decisions as to whether or not to own part of a company for the next 20 years. And then he paused because he probably forgot what he was talking about. And then he says, <laughs> anyway, he's asked about inflation. All right, last one. Oh, what I, would it be so great if Warren got fired up about our jokes? <laughs> Cam, let's show to yell at us. That'd be so good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He was asked a question about this topic. And he says, I've seen people do stupid things all my life. I empathize with that. People like to play the lottery. If I knew how to do this, I would do it and end up making a lot of money. But all I'm trying to do is buy good businesses. I didn't like chain letters when I was a kid. How do you say crypto bros in a different way? Bitcoin. Crypto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, talk he's talking about Bitcoin. Nailed it. That was pretty good. I think he did pretty good. There were a couple that were intentionally in there to throw you off. Intentionally to throw you off. And, uh, you know, so I apologize for that. But that was pretty good. I thought it's an interesting interview. I couldn't, you need a like CNBC pro or whatever to watch the thing in full. So I had to watch four and five minute yeah. segments, which was quite annoying because each one comes with an ad. So it was very annoying. But anyway, it's pretty good. I like hearing All Buffett right. talk. Well, one of, my, one of my quick hits is Buffett. And we've talked about this before, but I just 
I can't get over it every time I see it. So 99% of Buffett's net worth came after his 50th birthday. Bud Dougal's, what percentage came after his 65th birthday? 98%? 97%. Now, you know, everyone's hollering from the rooftops. Buffett, greatest investor of all time. I'm not going to argue that. It's clearly great. But our boy, Jim Simmons of Renaissance Technologies, averaged a yearly return of 66%. Uh, during a like 20-year span, if I remember correctly. Uh, I haven't read that book in a while. But Morgan Housel did a thing. So if Jim Simmons had a 70-year investing span like Buffett has, and he got 66% annual returns, how much money would he be worth, Dougals? What did he start with? Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. It doesn't really matter. $100 trillion. Yeah. $100 trillion. It's like something ridiculous. Like it, sixty-three quintillion dollars, and I don't even know what a quintillion is off the top <laughs> of my head. More than the entire GDP of all the way. Obviously, that's not feasible. But isn't yeah. that hilarious? Like, there's people out there that just crush it, and Jim Simmons is an amazing dude. Well, and a part of the reason why it's not even possible, right? As you know, is because the money doesn't compound. Like he has to pull money out because oh, it doesn't wait. scale, right? So like he he like with he, Renaissance technology, they close the fund because yeah. there's only so much alpha to be had. Exactly. I would still be curious as to this is impossible to get to understand what it would be even with him pulling out funds. Like it's effectively a the a material huge dividend that he has to get. I don't know how often, right? Um, in order to keep it the size that it ends up being, but he he couldn't let it. Once you get to one quintillion, the strategy doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I mean, Bank of America can't hold the funds anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're I, need, their only client. I need to increase my FDIC insurance <laughs> to one quintillion. All right. You want to keep going down um, the quick quick hits? Yeah, I got one more quick hit and then I'll throw it back to you. So seven of the 10 highest returning market days in the past 20 years have happened within two weeks of the largest one-day declines. Sounds simple. What it means, and we've talked about this before, is stay invested, right? You get a 10% down day. If you panic and pull out your money, the 12% up day is very likely coming in the next two weeks. And if all you do is panic on those down days, you miss the upside. And we've talked about how important those like top 20 days, top 30 days are for long-term investing returns. It's everything. It's everything. And how it's so hard. Like the psychology of that is so hard, which is a lot of the reason why you were always saying that's why you don't follow the day-to-day, right? Because the psychology of that is really, real difficult. You start seeing those numbers. Mm, I tell you what, I like it, but okay. All right. What you got? All right, I'm going to take it a little more boring, so I apologize, but it's still a quick hit. Oh, come on, dude. What I know. What are you, doing? What are you doing to us? I know. I know. So I want to talk about labor participation because I thought this was interesting. So the Fed came out with this blog post that was looking at the labor participation rate, which is the ratio of workers in the labor force to the civilian non-institutional, i.e. in prison, population over the age of 16. So you're saying how many people are in the labor force, which is the people that are employed or unemployed, but in the labor force. Numerator. Denominator is the population over the age of 16 that's civilian and and not in jail. So this currently is 62.5%. So 62.5% of America is in the labor force is what they're saying according to this definition. 
back in 2001, it was 68%. So there's a, let's call it a 10% decline, not, I don't mean a absolute percentage points, but like a 10% decline in this rate over the last 20 years. What's interesting is if you, when you look at the chart, what's interesting to me is when you look at the chart, it is a fairly steady decline. Like it's not, it's not completely just decline, but you have, uh, I can't remember when, but you have like this little period in the middle where you rested a little bit, but it's basically just down and to the right. Then in COVID, the big dip down and now it's come up a little bit. Um, but what they were looking at in this piece, which we'll share on the sub stack was why is this the case? And they looked at uh, three reasons as a hypothesis. One is our population is getting older. Two is more people retiring. And three is there's increased disability like with long COVID and whatnot. And they basically said, it's if you adjusted for the aging population, there really isn't that decline. And it's fascinating to me. This is an important thing. And it's not just, we, we've hit on this uh, historically, not just for the US of A, but also like globally, that a lot of the globe is just getting old. Japan, speaking of Japan, going back to Warren Buffett, Japan is real old. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on this, but I think 99% of their population is over the age of 70. <laughs> Untrue. That's just completely untrue. No, but like, but they're the U.S. is getting older. Japan is very, very old. I don't, I don't have any stats in front of me, but they have like for three decades or so, like just been getting increasingly older uh, since their stock market burst effectively. Um, and so population is getting a lot older. And that has a lot of consequences on potential consequences on the economy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it is fun to see um, the second level thinking, because really what you're talking about, Diggles, from like 2008 to 2016, you have a steep decline in labor participation rate um, from like 66% down to 62%. And it's about a 62% today. But that's just first order thinking. Just look at the graph and be like, oh, less people are participating. The yeah. other thing that's going on is the aging population. And when you adjust for it, it's the same as it ever was. Now, same as it ever was and might not work because of the aging population means that there's actually a need for youthful, smart, talented, hardworking employees. And that can go to the immigration conversation, which we won't have here. But like, yeah. guys, you don't, your economy does not thrive and grow if you don't have that next generation of workers ready, willing, and able. Yeah. It has economic consequences it has military consequences but it has other consequences like there's there's a lot it's it's very interesting I, one of the other reasons i didn't really dig into this but one of the other reasons that i uh was interested in the labor participation rate is looking at the unemployment rate and so in case folks don't know the unemployment rate is calculated based off of the people that are looking for work right so you have to like be in the labor force so if someone just said i am i'm not working i'm 30 i'm not working and i don't want to work you're not included in the calculation for the unemployment rate. And so one of the things I was curious about, I didn't look into this at all, was curious about is, are there people that just aren't like, forget about retirement, like old age retirement, but was there a period over this last bit where there were people that just did not, were not interested in working? You had the great resignation and they were like, I'm cool living off my whatever. And then what starts to adjust if they come back in? That might not be as big of a population as I'm making it out to be, but I was curious about it, which is one of the reasons why I was reading this piece. Uh, because those two things go hand in hand, but I didn't dig into it. So I don't know if it's a thing. Yeah. Well, so when we're doing quick hits, we always, um, I say always, we should always talk about Skippy's portfolio and either make fun <laughs> of the garbage he owns or take a victory lap here. We're kind of going to do both. So 
Coles is way down. Merger fell through. I still own it. I still have a bunch of Coles. I may be buying more. Um, it's way down. But this week, few interesting things happened. If our listeners have been following the Coles train, and obviously none of this is investment advice. The C- the new CEO, Thomas uh, Kingsbury, bought $2 million worth. In addition to my boy, Jim Simmons, who just added it to his portfolio, and our boy, Jeremy Grantham. So I'm over here just freaking celebrating. Now, I can't celebrate the price increase, which is what we ultimately, that might be yep. why we invest, too, because I'm not really sure. But man, we got some insider action here. I think this is looking good. What go, what's going on in my head? I keep thinking turning coals into diamonds. That, that that's like that, that's yeah. I can't get through it. The when you say yeah, all right. When you brought up Jeremy Grantham, because he's we we talked about this a bunch, right? Very bearish right now. Has been bearish for a few years now. Very bearish. Buying into coals. It's a it's really fascinating. I don't know what uh did you see like yeah, what percent I, portfolio or any of that stuff? I did I just uh the article doesn't go into that unless you have a premium subscription to this. And this is a guru focused based thing, so I didn't dive in. Yeah, okay. But fair enough. Yeah, Jeremy Grantham, if he's not like in his bunker buying Kool-Aid, beans, <laughs> whatever else you need <laughs> to survive a 10-year <laughs> nuclear war. Like, I don't know how he has time to buy colds, but if he does, I'm on board with it. Smart yeah, dude. That's cool. Yeah, those are smart. Those are smart dudes. Smart dudes. Okay. You remember Twitter? Uh, no. It, it, well, I X'd that out of my brain. Oh, sneaky. Twitter's not a company anymore. Well, Twitter's not an independent company anymore, apparently. Elon Musk has decided to merge Twitter into X. Arr, arr. And I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> like it's so first of all, it's officially called X Corp. And he did some fancy okay. things where he started X Corp in Nevada, if I remember correctly, and then he like merged the corporations and then dissolved Twitter. Is is that the something like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard the philosophy of like you know, you can truly, regardless of how busy you are, you can make time for things that are a high priority for you. This guy runs what three of the world's most talked about companies and maybe four and like seems to be uber busy flying all over the world, doing all these things. Yet somehow this was important enough for him <laughs> to be like, I'm just going to do a bunch of legal paperwork in Nevada. Like, I don't get this at all man like why how do you have the time mental energy anything else it makes no sense there there's a reason but that's yeah i don't know why but there's a reason there's some reason for it taxes i don't know but it's weird i think it's more like he's hasn't he always kind of been obsessed with x i mean that was x.com was the company that merged with paypal back in the day yeah i think it's just like uh Excuse my language here, but like kind of a fetish. Like he just <laughs> really likes X. <laughs> oh. All right. Let, let's get you fired up as we go to my fishbowl. I sent you this graph. Kathy Wood, Ark. Someone simply plotted the Goldman Sachs non-profitable tech, tech index on one axis and Ark on the other. And the trend line is like, it's the same garbage, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what that means is that all of the talk, we have fields, acres, 
furlongs of researchers that have run models and models and models to understand what the the next three decades of innovation look like. And we are buying into that innovation. Come, like, hitch your wagon onto us. Is just we saw what wasn't profitable and we did, we just bought that. Is that the summary? Well, we all have different different definitions of innovation. Like I think innovation makes money, and so companies should have positive free cash flows. Kathy Wood thinks innovation means you're allergic to making money, and you have to throw <laughs> money in a fireplace, and that's what the Goldman Sachs nonprofit protection is. Because so it's of course it's the same. It's samesies. You do get seventy five basis points, is all, and then you get it. You get it though. That's all you got to pay. <laughs> All I have to do is write her a check to buy this garbage. <laughs> has has Kathy done anything else to fire you up, or do we need to switch the subject here, Diggles? Uh, no, not not recently, not recently. But speaking of fire, Fire Festival Two, Fire Festival Two. If we rewind the clock, when was this? Six years ago, <laughs> something like that. You had Billy McFarlane. There are a couple documentaries about this too, but you had Billy McFarlane, who with Ja Rule, decided to throw something called fire festival the party of all parties down in was it the palmas or bermuda one of those he decides to to throw this party made these bomb videos right come join this party you never like this is something like you've never seen before buy your tickets you don't want to miss out fomo 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 didn't happen was not a thing it was like fake it till you make it fake it till you don't make it was what happened went to jail for fraud then well, tweeted. Let me just fill in the gaps if I remember correctly. Happened, happened in a way that there was like no transportation between the islands, and they didn't have enough like cheese sandwiches even to feed the people. <laughs> and basically, it turned into like this torture mission with well, no, but nor, water nor and no musical food. acts though, nor musical acts. It's yeah, like, 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 if, like if you nothing. go to Coachella and there's no music, was there Coachella? Right, it's like I a like tree in the Coachella. woods. There was Coachella. I guess I've only been to Coachella with music, so I don't yes. know. So you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> Tree in the forest. So Billy McFarlane tweets, fire emoji. Fire Festival 2 is finally happening. Tell me why you should be invited. I mean, the like cojones. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it could, I don't know. This could just be a big jokey joke. But it's like if uh, if Elizabeth Holmes came out <laughs> and was like, you know what now? Two drops of blood. You're right. We couldn't do it with one. We couldn't do it with one. But two drops of blood? Elizabeth Holmes from jail. I assume she's in jail. I haven't followed that closely. Like It's like, all right, ship two drops of blood to me in my jail cell. I'll send you back some results. She she is in jail because they, I think it was just this past week, maybe it was last week, um, she was sentenced to like 11 years or whatever. And she said, yeah, but I'm appealing. So I feel like I should be able to live at home during the appeal process. And the judge said, that's cool. I don't feel that way. I feel like you should be in jail <laughs> during that process. So yes, Elizabeth Holmes is in jail. Okay. Long ago, in the height of the everything bubble, now that our show is like two and a half years old, we talked, we rewinded, we went back via a Michael Lewis book called, uh, was it the new, new thing? Really awesome. Michael that Lewis is a, book. That is a Michael Lewis book. Uh, quoted... Um, the CEO of Sun Microsystems at the time in the early or late 90s, early 2000s, who said the CEO of this company that uh, is better off if investors buy his stock when his stock was trading at 10 times sales. He went on this rant and said, 
no stock should say 10 times sales. Do you know what that actually means? Like that means if I could take 100% of my sales, if I had no expenses, nothing else, and give it back to investors, they'd still have to sit on their hands for 10 years before they even break even. Like it, as eloquently as I've ever seen it, it's Scott McNally, CEO of Sun Microsystems, says training for 10 times sales is idiotic. Occasionally it happens, Dougal's, during a bubble or and likely in the tech space. Do you know what stock? I know you do. It's currently trading at nine times sales. Speak on it. McDonald's, man. <laughs> McDonald's. This is the world that we live Wait, in right now. You think now. McDonald's has no cost? Like the real estate, the employees, how about the freaking food costs? They, their margins, if I remember correctly, on a cheeseburger are like 1.3% or something. Like they have optimized everything. They don't. They don't make great margins. How are they trading in 10 times sales? I'm sorry, I was fired up. Go ahead. Yum is at 5.6 times sales. Chipotle, yum is uh, Taco Bell uh, and Pizza Hut. And, you know, Chipotle, 5.5 times sales. Starbucks, 3.7 times sales. So just like some of the organizations that you might put in the, like similar, there's this other food company, Apple, that's at 6.7 times sales. <laughs> I just ate some of their AirPod Pros. They're delicious, man. Really good stuff. <laughs> Recommended. Yeah, I mean, you're in the company. When you're up the 10, you're in the company of Microsoft, Tesla, the king. Like, <laughs> For the record, let me say that Yum, which is also KFC, is uh, in addition to those ones you named. Is that 5.6? That's insane. They're, they're, not, they're not worth five times sales. I don't know. Uh, it's garbage. Um, don't buy McDonald's people, which is uh, unfortunate advice because I like McDonald's. Just their stock is priced <laughs> idiotically at the moment. So you're, you're boycotting. First. You're basically going to be picketing and you're saying, I will not go back to McDonald's until you're under five times sales. <laughs> like, is, the, is this no, year? I'm saying I'll buy McDonald's at, gosh, 1.2 times sales. Oh, let, let, let the stock come down 90% and I'll get interest. <laughs> and then I'll get a small fry. I love it. Okay, so we had, I think you probably saw, switching gears a little bit, you probably saw we had the Clarence Thomas stuff that came out, right, this week. Clarence Thomas was riding in yachts, all that kind of stuff, didn't disclose it. So, you know, we, we've discussed how we had lawmakers, law deciders, whatever Clarence Thomas is, lawmakers that have been doing stuff that is like no K. Okay, now let's get past Clarence Thomas, because that was one thing. You flipped the page, and now I see... There were lawmakers in Congress that were trading bank stocks at the same time that they were working on the bank failure stuffs. I mean, deep breath. Like, what are you thinking? I don't even, even if one lady, I, my, my, my whole thing is like, let's put the right or wrong to the side for a second. Like, what, what are you even thinking? Like, how, what part of you? says that this is okay i i can't even comprehend it at this point uh i'm not even gonna name these people i don't know if i should name them out of shame or what but one lady in new york bought shares in new york bay corp on march 17th and on march 19th in a deal she was familiar with the fdic agreed to announce that they could take signature based deposits and the stock she bought went up 32% on that news. Two days, 
30 plus percent increase because she had insider information. Like, just throw all these people into the ocean for all I care. And then <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> yes. Throw them in the ocean and then put some third graders in Congress for a second to pass one bill that says our legislators can't buy and sell individual stocks and be done with it. Why did why does that bill never get passed? Because the people that can make 30% on their money are in charge of voting to change the policy. And why would they do that? Because it would hurt them financially. It's it's so messed up. It's so messed up. You know, why don't we invite these folks on the podcast? No. <laughs> I want to yell at them. It would work. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. I, 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 you got anything else to say about this lovely, no, Mm-mm. frustrating Done. matter? Done with it. All right. Uh, here we go. Below are, are the highest R&D spenders in the last 12 months. Google, $40 billion. Meta, $36 billion. Apple, $28 billion. Microsoft, $27 billion. Intel, $17 billion. Did you know that high R&D translates to a competitive edge that is driving innovation for everyone except Intel? <laughs> that's like, that's quite a burn. <laughs> like, this is straight you... from Beth uh, Kingding on Twitter. <laughs> and I loved it so much because I'm an Intel stockholder and have been. And how is that possible? Dude? Generally, I agree. One of the reasons I love uh, Nike stuff a lot of times is they spend more money on R&D than anyone else in the shoe wear and apparel space by like multiples, right? Generally, you spend money on R&D and it shows up in your products, but not for Intel. Not for Intel. Not for Intel. I don't have any more quick hits. I do have a hot take though. Oh, hot take time. Let's go. Inflation. Yeah. Inflation. I feel like you're going to say transitory. Transitory. <laughs> Good to the point already. <laughs> no, I, I, was, uh, I was looking at the inflation report this week, and it's like <clears throat> super fascinating, right? Because I think that in, I'm not doing this from like a prediction standpoint. I'm just saying like when I look at the data, the inflation that the Fed raising interest rates can annihilate seems like it's it's going to fall off of a cliff and inflation overall is not <laughs> and okay, i don't know what so it... you need to you need to back up for the people and explain like some of the key components that make up the cumulative inflation figure and then break down what you're saying the fed can control and things that the fed cannot control i'll to keep it simple let's look at it from like a demand side and a supply side right so you you can say what they can control more so, maybe not control, what they can influence, have strong influence over is demand, like the amount of money that sits out there and people's willingness to spend it, right? More on that side. What's much harder for them to influence is the supply side. So the like raw material prices and the ability for producers to be able to bring down inflation. And I just really feel like because of how aggressive they were, that and all and how aggressive they were and what we're talking about otherwise with like uh credit people in debt etc i think that like consumer spending has the potential to maybe not fall off a cliff that might be too aggressive but to like drop suddenly uh and 
I don't know what they have to do at the other side. And it just it just seems like the the inflation rate that's more on the demand side isn't as much of a concern. I mean, it still is. It's not where they want it to be, right? That's just like my hot take. I was looking at it. I don't know if you have thoughts or if you don't care. Well, I want to give some real examples because I think it helps illustrate your point. Yeah. So let's housing's kind of easy, right? They raise rates a bunch. Uh, people often use debt to finance a home purchase. So homes are way more expensive relatively. Um, that's something I would argue they can control. Uh, something that might be harder for them to control is like a lithium for batteries or a oil or, you yeah. know, like, so if there's not oil out there to be had, even if there's less money floating around in the economy because the Fed is tightened, um, there's still this supply demand thing where people need oil and it's not out there. And so the price goes up to adjust. There are some stuff that's hit pretty significantly though. I know cars are interesting right now because uh, used car prices are still kind of trending up because there's a capacity issue. New car prices look like they actually might be turning and, and trending down for the first time in a while. We've talked about homes being fairly stagnant, but um, I've seen, I think it's rental uh, costs are falling pretty quickly. Like there's some other key components of inflation. Yeah. I wish I had that in front of me right now. Uh, fascinating time still. Yeah, because. It is. It's, it's a mixed bag in terms of the story there. Yeah. And that's where, I mean, it's, again, not really a prediction. I just, I think that this stuff is interesting and it academic, academically becomes interesting. <laughs> Excuse me. Academically becomes interesting. But it it's hard for me to imagine, given all the factors, which me being able to imagine something doesn't mean it's going to happen or not. But it's hard for me to imagine that there isn't a big demand decrease that occurs with all the factors that are happening out there. But then I start thinking about, it's just never that simple. <laughs> like it's never that simple. And when I, with all the things that end up going into like food even or cars, like there's so many components that come into this stuff where like the producers need to pay these prices. Like the fed can't influence that. And I just, I wonder what's going to happen there. So that's it. It's just a hot take. There's nothing beyond a bit on a hot take, but I find this stuff to be interesting. Yeah. One thing I'll tack on, cause we talked about it a little last week. Um, is commercial real estate and even Buffett talked about it, but there's a couple of real life examples. There's a, a building in California, um, commercial real estate that was built in 2014, just sold in 2023 and sold for about half of what it was purchased for in 2014, mm. brand new. Yep. There's a office tower in downtown Louisville, um, Louisville, excuse me, in Kentucky, um, built in 2001 for a price of $35 million just sold for $9 million, right? Sat years. on the thing for 22 years and they lost probably a fourth of the value. Some of those things like it gets baked into your inflation number and, and you go, oh, well, the one component of inflation yeah, yeah. that's this commercial real estate is way down, you know, is 50% down, maybe 40% down um, in aggregate. And then the other components might be, well, yeah, but the price of gas still went up and the price of food still went up and you have to bake all those things together to get your headline number. But like you're saying, there's so many stories underneath. So many stories. It's, it's really hard to imagine how this just ends up being like, okay, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like there's so much happening right now, but I hope. All right. I wasn't going to go there, but I feel like you want to. Um, so the Fed came out 
this week and started talking about a mild recession. Yeah. I have strong feelings about this, but I want to hear yours first. What do you think about the Fed saying that? What do I think about the mild recession? Or what do I think about the fact that they brought it up? Both. Yeah. On them saying it, uh, I I do think that they are being super careful about uh, making sure that people don't get overly excited and start running rampant in spending, investing, whatever it might be. And so I think that they, with that, the carefulness, the reason I say that is because I think that like when they look at some of the data, they can go the market, people, whatever it might be, might see inflation data and decide, okay, we're actually, we're on the right path. Let's go out and do that thing. And so then I think they like to throw in little Easter eggs, not Easter eggs, because they just say it, but like they start to, they want to throw in these phrases to make it to like calm the waters. So that's like them saying it. That's like my thought around that. I'll pause with that. That makes sense. I mean, it does. I just think it's stupid. They said anything like it's not your <laughs> job to predict the future. Hey, you're gonna, if well, you no, it actually is. The future, you're gonna be wrong. But no, part of their not. job, no, part you of can give guidance is... about where no, you can give guidance about where rates are going. You don't have to tell me if we're going into a recession or not. Did they, they tell me when the economy was going to boom? Like this is, I think that's dumb. That's just my my take. It's I want to hear your disagreement on why you think it's their job to predict the future. I mean, you're using these words like predict and future. <laughs> No, I I think that the Fed needs to look around the corner and have a view on what's going to happen and then um, act accordingly. The Fed, there are two things that the Fed focuses on, right? Number one, inflation. Number two, unemployment. Am I right? Am I right? Kinda. No, don't, like, don't, don't whisper kind of when you know the answer is yes. <laughs> How are you going to say that when unemployment is one of the things that you need to manage that you can't be thinking about sessions, not sessions, recessions? How are you going to say that? Uh, okay. I'm not saying that they can't think about it. Like, I'm not restricting <laughs> their thoughts in their brain. I'm just saying <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to predict it in writing. Like, that's dumb. Just, no, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We think this is happening. And, and there's these complex factors that, uh, all get included in their discussion, their thought process, and their analysis for what they do with rates. That's fine. Don't tell me we're going to a recession. Just don't do it. Yeah, I don't like point. it. Yeah. Just yeah. me. <laughs> Using words right. like Is predict and future. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. Hit skippydougals.com for all things on the show. Hit us with a review and share the show with a friend if you get a chance. Listener mail, we are ready for you. I can be fired up about listener mail just like I was fired up about so many topics today. <laughs> SkippyDougals at gmail.com. Thank you. Peace.